All right, Rich Casanova here live for another episode of the Georgia Podcast from our Buckhead Studios. Uh, we've got a good one here for you today. We've got a guy that you, you he may have, I think he's officially won the longest traveled uh, to the podcast studio, right? Uh, and that's Adrian O'Connor. He is the f- uh, founding partner and CEO of Global Accounting Network. Uh, actually, you can check them out at globalaccountingnetwork.net. So, um, Adrian, before we get into the show, uh, a little bit of a teaser. So, as mentioned in your bio, so you've been in this space for 20 plus, and I like how you say fun-filled years. <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Um, recruiting isn't a career for everybody. It has its challenges, but Actually, whilst the hours can be long, the minutes are usually pretty good. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I like that. Well said. We're going to cover a lot of ground talking about the current war for talent. Why Atlanta? uh, What's happening in the UK? uh, The backstory of, uh, you call it um, uh, GAN or GAN or what? uh, GAN or Global Accounting Network. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So we're going to find out uh, who you're servicing, uh, the types of clients. um, And they have eight uh, promise uh, points of promise. So that uh, tune in for that. That's all coming up next on the uh, Georgia podcast. Welcome to the Georgia podcast featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia made possible in part by global podcast studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production and distribution. Visit global and by our friends at serendipity labs co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Now join Rich Casanova, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. All right, y'all. Uh, as we say in the South here, y'all. I don't. Do they? Do, what's what's the UK expression? Yeah, uh, you'd probably say you guys. Or you guys, yeah, or just guys. Yeah, yeah, New York does what? Use guys, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how we got off on that. <laughs> right off that bat, we're off off track here. So if you're uh, tuning in, I appreciate your uh, listening to the uh, Pro Business Channel and this episode of the Georgia Podcast, uh, streaming around the world and around the corner. Speaking around the world, we have uh, the dude. Uh, the founding partner and CEO of Global Accounting Network. We're going to find out about what they do, but that's Adrian O'Connor. And as we mentioned uh, in the teaser, uh, I think uh, in, in, until we fact check it, as of now, you've traveled the furthest to be in our studio. But speaking of traveling, so um, so you launched this enterprise. Well, let's back up for a second. So before launching uh, GAN or GAN, uh, you have a, a very impressive background in the startup space, right? Um, helping startups. Talk to us about that, that, uh, you know, your broad base before um, GAN. So I've been in recruiting, uh, recruitment for, this is my 21st year. So it's a long Fun-filled time. years. It's fun-filled years. They've, they've all been <laughs> According fun. to your bio, yeah. yeah. Every single one of them. Um, and so over the course of that time, we've helped companies of all sizes and, and descriptions find the best talent to, to, to help grow their business. And some of the businesses that struggle the most tend to be the startups. They've got no employer brand. They've got no network necessarily in the areas that they're looking to recruit. Um, and we've made a bit of a specialism of helping them bring in uh, a best-in-class team because early-stage businesses generally succeed or fail based on the quality of the people as much right, right. as they do based on the product. And that's the talent piece, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's where you help organizations. And those early years can be, uh, I don't know if it still holds, but in the U.S. we talk about uh, the first three years are critical. If you make it past the first three years, that's a major milestone. accomplishment. It doesn't guarantee success, but there's a 90-plus percent failure rate early on, right? 
Absolutely, yeah. And as much as people don't necessarily think about their finance and accounting talent as being uh, an <laughs> integral part of that, they actually are. You know, you could, because oh. biz- small businesses succeed or fail based on cash more often than they do on ideas. And cash uh, flow, right? Because exactly. you can have some funding, but, uh, you know, that funding eventually uh, withers and, right? You've got, you've got to watch the, the pennies and the pounds look after themselves. That's what my grandmother <laughs> taught me, uh, and it holds true, I think. But, I mean, as a, as a company, we help businesses of all, all sizes and scales. So, you know, we'll, 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 we'll help huge enterprises such as Amazon. We've been Amazon's number one supplier in the UK for a number wow. of years. And then at the same time, there'll be a 10-man company in uh, the, yeah. the outreaches of Georgia that, that, <laughs> that needs a finance director, and we can do that for them yeah. as well. So you're dropping uh, Amazon now. You're just bragging or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty. That's a, a, a very uh, impressive. And um, uh, also included in all that, you've led teams of 50 plus people, providing operational strategic input through varied markets and economies. All right. So let's jump into uh, uh, short on the list here. You mentioned uh, talent and people being a you know a big piece of it. I don't know if you follow uh, Marcus Lemonis and the Profit, but he talks about when he works with. Um, uh, uh, usually it's family businesses, small, you know, medium-sized companies. But he talks about the three Ps is uh, people, profit, and product, Yeah. right? So you can have, you know, all those three need to come. Uh, it, there's a balancing act there, right? And if you drop one of them, because you can have the best talent, but if your product is amateur or uh, not up to, up to speed... You got, a, you got a situation, right? Oh, you need all three. I mean, yeah. you know, businesses need to be solving a real need. You know, there's a lot of businesses that launch, I think, that aren't addressing a real problem and therefore are, are doomed to failure almost. And it doesn't matter how good your talent is. If you're not addressing a real need, that's not going to change. Yeah. Um, we obviously work on the talent side. So um, it, to, to our minds, talent is a, is a scarce resource. There's a lot of people, but talent is a scarce resource. Um, and so to identify and secure that talent is hard work. Yes, yeah, not just putting butts in the seats or whatever, or just having people clock in. You got, you know, talent is different than people. Absolutely, people, yeah. I'm sometimes not. they make it synonymous, but it's not. No, not necessarily. I mean, yeah. look, every company needs workers, needs people. Right, yeah. Um, but they need talented people, and they yeah. don't necessarily need to be all high flyers. They just need to be very good at what they do. Yeah, in their um, in their space. Absolutely. So talk to us about this this topic, this idea of the current war for talent. What I mean, what does that mean, and how are you getting prepared for that? So to give you a, a, a stat, uh, the PwC ran a recent survey, and they identified that two-thirds of CEOs are concerned about access to talent, and that's in their top three concerns for the next five years. Wow. Um, and that's CEOs of all, all manner of companies. Um, so huge companies, Fortune 500, FTSE 100, whatever it might be, they're concerned about access to talent. Um, and that means that their businesses will stumble through their growth if they can't secure the right people. And that's ubiquitous across most markets, I think. Um, lots of companies have identified that, but they don't necessarily prioritize securing talent in the right way, in, our, in my opinion. Um, so they, they identify it as a problem, but they still try and cut costs. They still try and cut corners on actually securing those people. Right. Um, and so we step in, and our job is to really help them identify and secure people they couldn't secure for themselves. And you talked about talent. Now, I mean, today, it's not what it used to be. I mean, we're, uh, we're in different, as every era, in different uh, iterations of the economy and the workforce. And now talent can look like, you know, uh, freelancers and gig economy. And there's, you know, so many independent contractors. And it's not just the eight to five, you know, um, but a lot of companies are struggling competing with those um, gig economy space, right? And to attract those talent. And you got to do something different than just giving them a paycheck. So on that note, 
uh, talked about, you know, the recruiting industry, you know, it's, it's uh, according to, um, you know, the notes we have here that you provided that it's broken and, and how do you go about fixing it if it's broken and why is it broken? That was about a uh, five point question. There's, there's, there's a lot of points in there. Um, so th- we think the recruitment industry is broken largely because of a number of well, there's a number of factors, and it's not all the fault of the recruiters. Some of it is the fault of the recruiters, and I'll be very honest about that. Some of it comes from candidate and from client. Um, obviously, the era of people staying in one job for 20, 30 years seems to have gone. Some people still do it, right. but, but largely as a whole, people are changing jobs far more frequently. Um, what do you attribute that to? Access to data. Um, so if you think 20 years ago, if you applied for a job, you probably saw an advert in the newspaper. Right, you right. Wrote, you wrote a cover letter by hand or typed it out on a right. typewriter. You printed it out. You went to the post office. You posted it. Right. You probably, if, even if you were actively looking, you may be applied for four or five jobs. Now you sit at your computer. You've got access to LinkedIn, Indeed, whatever it might right. be. And you can just fire off application after application after application. At the same time as that, even if you're not looking, you've got people like me contacting you saying, yeah. hey, have you thought about a career change? What about this as a strategic career move? So suddenly- That didn't so, happen yeah, back so in the so day. so much more choice. Yeah. Um, and people have their heads turned by that. So people move jobs more frequently. They've got more access to data. They've got more choice. Um, and so that impacts the industry as a whole. It impacts the war for talent as a whole because retention becomes that much harder. Um, recruiters don't help themselves because <laughs> typically uh, in in the world of recruiters, client is king. They're over-promised to, they're under-delivered right. to. Um, candidate is treated like a commodity yeah. um, and therefore treated fairly poorly. Um, and I don't know of any other industry that works that way. So they'll, a recruiter will go out and they'll find a client that wants to buy something. Right. And then they'll go, right, I need to go and find some candidates. Yeah, yeah, they'll go right. running around and find <laughs> yeah. some candidates. And then if they don't place those candidates, they'll forget about them and they'll go and find something new. Yeah. And if you think, if you worked in, I don't know, if you were, if you were Home Depot right. and you were selling fencing, right. you wouldn't say, right, I'm going to go and find some people that want to buy a load of fencing and then think, yeah. I need to go and find some fencing. And then if but you yeah. can sell that fencing, just leave it at the side of the road and move on to the next thing. So the supply chain doesn't work. So we flip that round and we say, right, we're in a talent short market. Everything starts with the talent. Um, and if you don't have, as a recruiter, the network of the best people in the markets that you serve, right. you, you can't help your You're clients. You're going to lose. You can't help your candidates. So we fish far more in the candidate pool than the client pool. Okay. So that when we come to meet a client that wants to hire, we've got this network of passive people who are actually talented people. Right. And we can dip into that network rather than having to re- rely on advertising and being reactive. That's a great observation. I think a lot of business, um, our, our, our listeners would resonate with that or might kind of give them a, uh, um, you know, wake them up to the point that a lot of times businesses focus on the product, the quality and so forth. And you wouldn't, you know, uh, you wouldn't think to bring a, a sub pro, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, a um, less than premium product to the marketplace. But then when it comes to people, you just figure that they're just filling a spot, Right particularly in accounting and finance, which is often seen as a back office function. Yes. Um, I think the other problem is that lots of clients don't realize that employer branding is really important. They'll spend millions on their branding for their products, but they don't really think about their employer brand, which is what, what, what does the market think of them as an employer? Um, That's a great – I actually wrote that down, that, that premise of the uh, – what do you call it, the employer brand? Employer brand, yeah. So you know, with things like Glassdoor – all of our candidates will do research as to what it's like to work in these companies. Right. How, ma- how many companies are actually thinking about what are we like as an employer? Right. And also, do we have an employer brand in the discipline that we're looking to recruit? So if you're a, I don't know, you might be a fantastic technology business, 
but you're not known in finance and accounting. So the best finance and accounting people don't know of you. They're not applying to your adverts. They're right. not looking for a job in your company. Um, and so unless you engage somebody that's got that network, you're really going to struggle to find the best talent. But a lot of times we throw around the, the word culture, but, um, but that's a critical piece to this puzzle, right? You know, to important. be able to track that talent. Absolutely. I mean, culture is hugely important, but it's something that's very difficult to judge from the outside looking yeah. in. And that um, you can uh, quantify whatever, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you also see fantastic businesses that have gone through significant periods of change where that culture has shifted. Um, and their employer brand may suffer as a result. Yeah, because um, so it, it no longer aligns with that. Absolutely. And yeah. there's, so there's lots of challenges in trying to bring in the best people. Um, and obviously, my solution to that is that you, you engage a really good recruiter. Uh, who can and that might be Global Accounting Network and check them out at globalaccountingnetwork.net. I, I couldn't recommend that business highly enough. But um, yeah, I think it is important that you, you know, when you think about you're trying to bring in the best people in any marketplace that you're, that you're recruiting from. And you can't do that without an employer brand and without a network. So let's talk about marketplace. So um, obviously, you started the, um, the entity, the company in the UK. Let's let's dive into some geography here, right? So the backstory of how the brand came about, um, and then you know the UK, where in the UK, if people are familiar with that uh, region, and then why Atlanta, um, and, and yeah, again, okay. multiple choice question there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, we started the business in 2011. Uh, okay. myself and a business partner. Uh, he and I had worked together since 2005 in a, in a couple of other businesses. And we'd always been reasonably frustrated by some of the um, strictures that were placed on us by corporate policies and, and things like that. Um, and we thought that the candidate and client experience suffered a, as a result of some of those um, corporate policies that were really designed just for the benefit of the business rather than the benefit of the people that we're, that we're supposed to be helping. So we set the business up with a view to solving some of those issues and really growing a very professional, um, partnership-driven, consultative recruiting firm. Um, we grew pretty quickly. It was good fun. I mean, you know, we started yeah. with there were three of us in an office with a phone that didn't ring because no one knew who we were. And, you know, and one of them was David. Was one that of them was David. Right? He's still, yeah, he's still uh, absolutely David Leslie, life. shout out to him, yeah. Yeah, David Leslie's, uh, I was speaking to him on the way here, actually. He's, uh, he's the most enthusiastic man in recruitment. Um, <laughs> and we grew pretty quickly. We won some really big clients very quickly because of our approach to the candidate piece and because of our access to talent. Um, and we started servicing global clients from London. Okay. Um, okay. So as far and wide as uh, Shanghai, wow. Ethiopia, Poland, Germany, Dang. California, all over the place. Um, because actually, if, you, if you're good at what we do, you can get access to talent anywhere. Yeah. As our client base in the US grew, uh, we decided we wanted to be uh, on the ground in the US. And we started okay. to do a lot of research and some very fun field trips. Um, and sort of looked there was at, some drinking along the way. I, and I, I couldn't comment. Uh, and we did, uh, we did some really fun field trips. But we focused on the south. Okay. Um, so we wanted to avoid the path most traveled. So most UK recruiting firms go New York, LA, San Francisco. It's right. almost like, where do we want to live in the US? Let's go and build a business there. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we built ours far more on on. Where do we think the opportunity is? And we looked at Dallas, Houston, Austin, Charlotte, Atlanta, uh, and Miami. Miami, yeah. just because I quite like to live Yeah, in that's, Miami, that's pretty attractive. Yeah, but yeah, but again, but focusing on business, yeah, yeah, yeah that may yeah. not be that. And Atlanta made, made great sense. So It checked um, a lot of boxes. What was on your short list of criteria? Um, it looked like weather, uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit more. No, we, we wanted than, um, a, a decent-sized market. Okay. So we wrote off. I mean, Charlotte's great, but it's yeah, a bit it's, small. It's not ready, yeah. Um, Austin, same, probably a bit small for the first one. Right. Um, so we wanted a good-sized market, good access to talent, high inward migration, 
Um, we wanted a, a good concentration of Fortune 500 headquarters. Atlanta also scores very highly on the Inc. 5000 list, so okay. 5,000 fastest growing privately owned businesses in the U.S., uh, so Atlanta. I did not know that. I mean, we've interviewed a number of people that have been on that list, but I didn't know that, uh, you know, we're uh, leaders in that space. Yeah. Third. Third on the list really? for, for concentration. Yeah. All right. Uh, check that out. Hot Atlanta. We are now, uh, according to our uh, buddy Adrian, third on the list for Inc. 5000. Uh, this was the, the last year's numbers. So yeah, yeah but still, I mean, yeah. relative. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, if Does the mayor know about this? Yeah, we're going to make a phone call. <laughs> I tried yeah. to tell him. Um, but if there's, you know, if there's high growth privately owned businesses, that's fantastic for us because yeah. you know, we love to partner businesses where we're dealing with the people that make the decisions. We're able to show real value, partner them through growth, um, help them with everything from sourcing to retention to development, induction. Um, and it's very often high growth privately owned businesses that really need that help. We work with the big corporates and we find them great people, right. but they've got they've got significant internal processes and internal resources that sometimes these high-growth privately-owned businesses don't have. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. We've just got about five or ten minutes left, and you thought we couldn't uh, fill up a whole segment just on I said I couldn't make it interesting. I didn't say I couldn't fill it up. I'm enjoying it, yeah. So, um, okay, so we're uh, reminding our listeners, you're listening to the Georgia podcast here on the Pro Business Channel Networks from our Buckhead studio. We're having a great conversation with our our new buddy and friend, Adrian O'Connor. He's uh, one of the founding partners and CEO with uh, Global Accounting Network. You can check them out at globalaccountingnetwork.com. Net. All right. So uh, a few more topics in our in our final segment here. We want to. Um, I, I loved on your website how you had this eight point promise. I want to do a dive into that. Um, and and let's go back and and reiterate who you serve. You know who's in your sweet spot. Uh, we're going to talk about your driving principles and maybe uh, maybe a scoop of you know what's next. Uh, but let's talk about let's rewind back to Atlanta. So uh, you, you just launched uh, this office, this market earlier in the year. Um, what's a what's a need that you have, or what's what's the progress you've made so far in Atlanta? So it's been an interesting few months. Um, I think that we found there are significant challenges in our marketplace um, that you d- you couldn't anticipate. Well, I think no, that, that we anticipated them oh. because they're the same challenges we faced elsewhere. Okay, okay. Um, and so you know we came in prepared for them, and I think that as we speak to candidates and clients, there's a fair amount of dissatisfaction with traditional recruiting firms, traditional recruiting methods. Um, clients get routinely over-promised to and under-delivered to. Candidates get uh, treated fairly poorly. Um, and so we found that most people are very open to the idea of um, a more professional, more consultative, more partnership-driven recruiting firm. And so we've been able to pick up some really interesting clients really quickly, um, clients that have come to us time and time again. And we've built a really strong network of um, finance and accounting professionals um, through the process. So um, at the end of, you know, probably 10 months of work, we've we've got a really good basis from which to build. Okay. But we're still small. And so next year is really about growth. The biggest challenge to growth, ironically, is finding the right people for us. <laughs> um, and so uh, is, uh, we find it far easier to recruit for our clients than we do to recruit for ourselves. Um, and so for us, it's out being out in the marketplace, networking amongst the best recruiters, um, and we interview a lot of people, but we don't find a lot of talent in the recruiting yeah. space. There's a, and so we're very picky about who we hire because we want to protect our own brand and our own business and hold true to our values. Um, so the mission for the next 12 months is really to find a number of very, very strong recruiters, continue to develop the client base, and continue to grow the talent pool that we work with them. And according to your website, you've, you've experienced a 40% growth um, 
what what does that look like? I mean, what do you uh, attribute that to, or what do you mean? What what does that represent? I guess. So it 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 forty percent growth in revenue year over year. Wow. Effectively. Um. So we have we always do strong double digit growth. We did forty percent last year. We did thirty five percent the year before. Wow. Um, and so we're out stealing market share from the competition. Watch out, day, yeah. Which is yeah, that, that's the fun part, right? You know, you, <laughs> well they're you, dropping the ball, whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a free so, marketplace. Yeah. You know, if we do a good job for our existing clients, they'll stay with us. If we then go out and win new clients, we will grow, and that's yeah. that's what we work on. Um, and so, you know, over, over the eight or nine years that we've been running, our client retention is very, very strong because of the work that we put in. Right. And then as long as we work hard on client acquisition and candidate acquisition to make sure we're servicing everybody well, um, we'll continue to grow. Uh, let's talk about your business sectors. I was looking um, at your website again, and it looks like there's um, uh, a number of spaces in pharmaceuticals. I mean, what are some of the other areas or categories you're in? Um, so we, we, we service commerce and industry um, as a whole, so we right. don't we, we avoid banking and financial services, right. and we avoid uh, not for profit or government. Um, what so, about podcasting? What do we, uh, can we get if, in if on the deal? A finance person, we're in. Um, <laughs> we'll so, talk after the show. Yeah, absolutely. So, property, uh, life sciences, and retail, retail, uh, consumer goods, private um, equity, private equity, technology, all sorts of stuff. Okay, um, yeah. Essentially, if someone is a good employer and they have a finance and accounting need, uh, we can help them. Um, okay. We place great people into great jobs. So, provided someone's a good employer with great jobs, we'll help them find the people that they need. Okay, let's let's circle back to this. Um, what was just kind of jumped off the page at me? This premise of these um, uh, this eight point promise, um, and I'm trying to find it back on your website here again. But I do have my notes <laughs> written down. So let's let's rapid fire through these real quick. So um, first on the list is you know understanding the needs. So I, I guess it's more of a um, investigative approach to determine where they're currently at, right? Yeah, so one of the biggest complaints people have about recruiters is they oversell. Um, and that comes from really not taking the time to understand the needs of the individual that you're trying to help. So we, we, we really take a lot of time to understand where someone's at, where they want to get to, and what the journey should be to get them there so that we can play a part in that. And that way the solutions that we're bringing them, the jobs or the candidates or whatever it might be, will fit into those needs and no one feels oversold to. I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, but I think a lot of your competitors probably overlook that. They just jump right in and it's like, um, you're looking for a position, we've got a candidate. Yeah, it's like this is this this is what we have. You have yeah. to take this kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of mentality yeah. rather yeah. than um, actually providing a solution. So we see ourselves as we provide people-driven solutions to real business problems. Okay. And so if you don't understand those problems, you cannot provide the right solution. So we take yeah. a lot of time to investigate and understand and build that partnership. And your second is um, your your challenge. So identifying a deep dive into their challenge and then uh, communicating, I guess, your expertise. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're specialists in what we do. Uh, so the more we get to know the challenges someone's facing, the more we can add value to those challenges. Okay. And I think that, you know, you have to show knowledge in our space to get respect and to get buy-in. And because we're experts in what we do, we're able to show that knowledge. And number three on the list this we're doing like at the countdown here, right? So number three on the list is transparency. So give me an example of that, you know, because that's, that's one of those other buzzwords or whatever, right? But is it a case where um, you're very uh, – forthcoming forthcoming with the evidence and then say this is not a fit or or you just let them know you know they're not in a position i mean what was what do you what do you think in terms of transparency and a very basic form it's really just being open and honest right um and there shouldn't be any smoke and mirrors in this you know we're 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 playing with people's careers at the end yeah you know you've got to be transparent about 
what the good things of the service or products you're you're representing are, but also what the bad things are. If I'm I'm sending somebody down for an interview and I think that that job is going to be incredibly hard work whilst they get the right processes in place, I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm going to tell them so they know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, we um, call it tough love here. Exactly, <laughs> but, you know, but recruiters oversell, so they'll, yeah. they'll gloss over the bad things. Right, absolutely. Um, same with a candidate. If I'm sending a candidate down to a client um, and that candidate's got 60% of the skills, I'm going to tell the client what the 40% yeah. they don't have. Right. Um, and it's just that sort of professional respect. Because otherwise, if you don't, it comes back at you, right? Exactly. You know? yeah. Okay, so number four on the list, yeah. I, I wouldn't, we don't usually do a countdown like this. <laughs> so developing your plan, what, what does that look like? What are some of the, what's involved in that? Um, so we're on the candidate piece. So we're talking about a career plan. Okay. Um, so for example, I, I was speaking to a candidate yesterday who's uh, currently a reporting manager and their goal is to be a CFO. Okay. Um, now they're not going to get there in the next job. Right. So it's actually about sitting down with them and talking about the, the various steps they need to take in order to achieve their plan. So what are the skill, what are the skills they need to pick up? What are the jobs they need to do? Where are they most likely to get that opportunity and how can we help them get there so that actually the steps we take today feed into the plan for the next two, three, five, ten years? Yeah, and that's part of your other steps. But uh, I think the operative one here is uh, this is where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. But number five on the list is finding the right match because that's what all the pre-planning and conversations have led to, right? Yeah. And it's putting great people into great jobs. Like I said, you know, there is a job for everybody. Right, uh, and it's about finding that right opportunity. And you know, in our industry, typically the candidate fallout rate is about ten percent. Okay, so about ten percent of candidates that that accept a job don't make it through probation. Ours is under two percent, um, and so that's a, that's a great statistic for me because that shows that we are affecting that match most effectively. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, I would imagine most of your competitors, we don't have to mention any names, but they kind of stop at, at step number five, right? Uh, so they found the match and then they're on to the next, right? Um, so you all in, in, incorporate three more steps, right? And uh, the next is the regular updates. Yeah, so if, uh, to my mind, our job is only halfway done when someone accepts a position. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we, we, we should partner them through their induction the, the development, the onboarding, the, stability, and, the onboarding, all of that yeah. stuff. Make sure they're happy. You know, it's like being a new kid at school when you start a new job. Yeah. And we can all remember that feeling. Isn't <laughs> right. it? It's, it's, exactly. not a com- it's not a comfortable feeling. You <laughs> right. don't know anything. You don't know anyone. You're asking stupid questions. Yeah. Or you consider to be stupid questions every right. day. Um, and our job is to help people prepare for that and get through that as, as much as it is to help them find the role. Um, and then once they're on, in, in, in situ, we stay in touch with them because huh. you know we want to help them make sure that they're fulfilling their plan and that they're they're happy and you know if we can help with anything along the way we will most of our candidates come to us via referral and recommendation a lot of our clients come to us via referral and recommendation and it's those constant touch points that constant sort of value add that that leads to that well i just it struck a chord because literally i was having a drinks dinner with some friends last night and one of them was talking about um their uh they're new at a position along with some other team members at a rather large uh, company. I might make an off-air introduction to the organization, um, but it's it's three initials, but <laughs> that doesn't give you a lot of, a lot of uh, 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 trying to see, see, we're talking about stumbling before here. <laughs> doesn't give you a lot of intel. So, but, um, but the, the real life story was they were on a six month contract and, you know, a few months into it, this one employee felt like they were, um, uh, something wasn't right with the organization. They didn't feel like they were, you know, liked or whatever, or, you know, there was some um, uh, awkwardness. And 
ultimately within a few days, they decided to leave the organization. It turns out that who they were reporting to and the plan that they had in mind, there were some delays, which they interpreted as, um, I'm not welcome here, right? But after the fact, after they left the organization, that wasn't the case at all. They, the person that they were trying to connect with was out of town traveling and, um, they had, they had a great plan for this person, but this person left because there was no kind of communication or updates, if you will. Yeah, and I think if where we have contractors, and, and about half of the work that we do is contract okay. and, and temporary work, where we have contractors on site, we meet with them fortnightly, we update okay. with them constantly. You say fortnightly, what does that uh, mean? T- uh, every two weeks, <laughs> sorry, it's my, uh, my strange English, um, in- English English rather than American. Um, and so, yeah, every week. And, and that's the idea being that we are the conduit between them and, and the company. Yeah. And, and so our job is to make sure that things are going according to plan, that you know, communication is good and that yeah. everybody knows where they stand. So that and mediate be- any issues or whatever, yeah, Absolutely. and, and uh, kind of take a proactive approach to it to, yeah. uh, um, you know, not have that happen in that case scenario. So two other, the final two points are uh, number seven on the list is the uh, balanced candidate assessment. What's involved in that? Um, so we, uh, we, we spend a lot of time working with our candidates to make sure they're right for the job. So we meet everybody that we work with um, and that, should be the norm, I think, yeah. but in Atlanta doesn't seem to be. So, right. you know, most recruiters don't seem to meet their candidates. And to my mind, 90% of what we do is matching people to people. And if you haven't met somebody and really got to know them, how can you assess where they're right. going to fit and find the right opportunity for them? Um, where clients request it, we'll do psychometric testing. We can do technical testing. Oh, wow. um, just to make sure that the person that, that's going in is the right person. And then, uh, as a matter of course, we will do um, reference checking. So we'll okay. speak to former line managers and we'll verify their experience. We'll verify some of the examples they've given us. Um, and that adds real weight oh, to the application yeah. as well. Uh, again, a unique selling proposition there. And then final on the list, number eight, is the candidate feedback and insights. What does that look like? Uh, it's actually just taking an interest in what the candidate thinks and it yeah. should be you know it, it should be the norm but i mean I've, i know that one uh, one of my uh, one of my friends interviewed for a, a recruitment firm where if you were on the phone to a candidate for more than 2 minutes the manager hung up the call because really? they didn't see it as valuable wow um, and so you know the candidate feedback is really important it should be a 360 feedback all the way through and we're interested in their feedback not just on the opportunities they've gone for but also on the service we've provided and our help to that to them on their journey um, because whilst we think we're good at what we do the, the only way to get better is to listen to the feedback well um, those last couple of points we would call what, what I call a BFO do you know what a BFO is I don't <laughs> it's no. called it's called the blinding flash of the obvious okay right yeah, it should <laughs> but be. it's not obvious to, to a lot of people and that's where they're they're missing the mark it should be the and that's norm. an opportunity that is, for you uh, it should be the norm and it's not yeah. because recruiters are paid on the result and therefore they're always looking for the quickest route to the best result and that, that uh, impacts the quality of what they do. Well, we, we've uh, certainly learned a lot um, in this episode of the Georgia Podcast and our conversation with Adrian O'Connor. We have um, a couple more minutes here to wrap, uh, wind things out. Let's talk about the, uh, we'll talk about what's next, maybe even kind of, kind of as a scoop or what's, you know, what's on your, some of your new initiatives for 2020 and beyond. Um, but uh, let's talk, last, last uh, question or topic is talk about reimagining diversity and inclusion in the finance and accounting space. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So diversity and inclusion is obviously a hot topic on yeah. everyone's list. Right. And, you know, 
so many companies have policies and have procedures and some of them are authentic and some of them aren't. Right, yeah, uh, like their mission statement. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, some of it comes down from the top and is really well thought out and delivered yeah. through the business and some of it isn't. But the delivery and, piece is the key, right? Because it comes from the top and it gets diluted and the average you know, frontline people are clueless Yeah, what I'm, that looks like. We obviously short time, but I'll give you two examples. Yeah. So people tend to hire in their own image. Okay. So yeah. how do you drive a diversity policy if people are hiring <laughs> their own image? And they'll come with criteria that sort of, you know, I only want somebody in our space, for example, I only want somebody from the big four. Right. Um, and that excludes a huge demographic. Um, right. And it's not necessarily true that the skills they're looking for are only available in that demographic. Right. But if you're not from the big four, you're excluded. And that can be a real problem in driving diversity. The other one that I would look at is the gender pay gap. So, so many employers base an offer of employment on an increase on their current on someone's current salary. Right. But if there's a pay gap, according to the demographic, and you base a new salary on an old salary, how do you ever bridge that gap? Right. Um, so, actually, we we recommend that clients benchmark the person and the role rather than benchmarking again against an existing salary. Because if someone's huh. paid 20% less because of their gender, right. uh, and you base their new salary on their old salary, they're still going to be paid 20% less based yeah. on their gender. So they're just two very quick examples of, of how we can help with, uh, with improving the diversity and inclusion policies. Okay, so our final point of uh, what's next. So um, what are some new initiatives or growth expectations for Atlanta um, and beyond? So growth is the key word. So... Um, <clears throat> You know, as, as we said earlier, our business is always about growth. So at the moment, we're looking to hire a number of very talented recruiters and um, oh, okay. account managers for our Atlanta office. So if you're a recruiter and you're listening to this and you like the sound of what we're saying, then please do get in touch. You'll find us at globalaccountingnetwork.net. Okay. Um, the phone number okay. is on there. My contact details are on there as well. Um, we want to have more than one location in the U.S. over the course of the next three years. Okay. Um, so we're currently viewing... Uh, a number of different cities as to where we might put our next office. All right. uh, and we've got a short list from, uh, from some of the work that we've done, so that's exciting. Um, and then we're waiting to see what happens with Brexit, which I've tried not to talk about. Okay, uh, yeah. for, for that's, those a, that's who, another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so there's a huge political turmoil in the UK at the moment, and we're waiting to see what comes out of that as to whether to expand into Europe or not. Okay. Yeah, because um, uh, that's a wait-and-see approach there, right? Yeah. No, one, no one knows. There's no information. There's only disinformation. There's no crystal you, ball. You don't. Uh, I thought you. <laughs> we need another half an hour, and I'm just gonna, and I'm just going to end up moaning. So let's cut that one there. All right. Yeah. Well said. All right. So Adrian, our pleasure having you here in the studio. And uh, when, when are you heading back to the UK? What's your next? Uh... Uh, so I'm here for Thanksgiving, and okay. then fly back on Saturday. Uh, got a couple of weeks in the UK, some Christmas parties and things to attend, which yeah. should be fun. Nice. Um, so I've got a, a nine-month-old daughter. Uh, so uh, we we try not to travel back and forth with her too much because yeah, yeah. that can be pain, painful yeah. for everybody. <laughs> right, um, exactly. But yeah. uh, we're taking her back to the UK for Christmas. All right. Well, so um, again, uh, thanks for your time and uh, kudos to what you've done and much success in uh, the, the upcoming years here in Atlanta and uh, other cities as well. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Georgia Podcast. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel, we thank you for listening to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Join Rich Casanova for the next Georgia podcast and download on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.